You're listening to the Native Plants Healthy Planet Podcast, presented by Pinelands Nursery. Here are your hosts, Fran Chismar and Tom Knezic. Welcome back to The Buzz, brought to you by the Native Plants Healthy Planet Podcast, presented by Pinelands Nursery. I am Fran Chismar. And I'm Tom Knezic. Today we are back with episode 57. And uh, and Fran, I'm feeling a little down today. Really? Yeah, I'm really? going to try and keep it upbeat, but sometimes you you feel a little discouraged and... Uh... And today's one of those days. Really? Why so? Yeah. Well, uh, can you share? Can yeah. Share? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So right. I've um, I've been listening to. Well, I listen to a lot of podcasts anyway. Yeah. But I've been doing a lot of work, and I like to listen to things yeah. while I work. I go through my whole slate of podcasts. I don't know what to listen to, so I started borrowing audiobooks on Libby. Okay. And uh, the first one I listened to was I all the ones I wanted to listen to that yeah. were either weren't available or had like a huge weight so I listened to one on podcasting which that actually made me happy because it was like how to start a podcast and we were doing everything oh, awesome, awesome. so that was really encouraging but then i uh i listened to silent spring by rachel carson all right and um and i I'd, I'd always heard the book and i i knew who rachel carson was but for some reason just because i don't know these things get lumped together in my brain i always thought rachel carson and jane goodall were the same person oh okay uh, yeah <laughs> it just i don't know that's both had like somewhat simple names yeah um so yeah so i always mix them up and then i was like oh, that's kind of weird that the gorilla lady wouldn't write a book about <laughs> pesticides <laughs> but, and then i was like oh no these are completely different i did the same thing this is a little side yeah. story i did the same thing with the the uh weezer song buddy holly and okay. they were talking about mary tyler moore and growing up in the, yeah. the 90s early 2000s yeah. i always thought they were talking about mandy moore and i was like why are they right. talking about buddy holly and mandy Moore? they weren't right. even alive at the Wait, same time you, what's going you, on and then it's like oh yeah those no they're talking about someone else do you, do you know who and mary tyler moore is i do yeah okay I do now. all right um, <laughs> i know well through the song but <laughs> uh, yeah all right uh, all right but um anyway when you so watch I, when you watch the video did you get that it was happy days for the Buddy Holly, well, video. I've never seen that oh, music all right. video, but all right. And, and for my generation, it's it's groundbreaking because they put their they're playing a concert in Arnold's in the show Happy Days, and it looks like they're really part of the show, hmm. you know. But if you don't know, yeah, if you've never watched, no, Happy I've never Days, watched the videos. Yeah. I've seen Happy Days, but oh, I've never you seen have the okay, music video. all right, all right. Um, but yeah, anyway, I listen to this book and I'm like, man, she is talking about all the same things that we're talking about and i know this book's pretty old and then i looked up and saw it was published in 1962 wow like, we're, so still we're still talking, talking about all these pesticides we're still talking about all these issues the lack of habitat that she was talking about in a book that was fairly successful for the yeah. time in 1962 we're still having the same discussions i just thought we'd yeah. be yeah. a lot further now and that's why i feel a little almost discouraged. almost so. 60 years later yeah um yeah. You know, and it, it, it still goes back and forth. I had just read yesterday that uh, President Biden had started to take steps to put back in place some of the Water Protection Acts that had been repealed uh, during the Trump uh, term. So it's mm -hmm. just, you know, it, it, it even depends on who's in office, yeah. like what steps yeah. we take, um, you know, what the way it is. You know, and I don't, I don't want to make it a political thing. I'm not making a political mm. statement. It's just, you know, we like seeing protection which 
isn't going to be easier for businesses, but it's it's it has its advantages both ways. Yeah. There's yeah. there's parties that 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 get advantages regardless mm-hmm. what side of the fence you're on. Everyone has uh, has priorities, yeah. and uh, obviously we think that the environment is probably right. should be yeah. a number one priority to yeah. just about everyone yeah. because it affects your everyday life in such a quiet way, and it's not evident how important it is until you lost that and it's i'm just, i was just surprised but, that after 60 years we haven't no. really made well i'm sure we've made a lot of progress yeah. but it didn't feel that way listening I, to i'm book. sure in a lot of cases so, we made a lot of pl- or a lot yeah. of places we've made progress in a lot of places we've taken a step backwards you know just thinking about i've thought about it three or four times after we had uh darren williams on when he was talking about the spotted owl mm-hmm. and it's hey do we let this this small logging community perish or do we save the spotted owl like do we do we take away their jobs or do we do this and that's it's easy for me to to come to a conclusion from the other side of the country Mm -hmm. but i'm sure if i were living there i'd feel a lot a lot differently so it's you know there's always different stakes it happens all the time all over the country every day like even just uh well in in colorado we referenced before there was a a a vote on should they reintroduce wolves and you have the people who weren't going to be living around the wolves tended to say, oh, yeah, we should. Yeah. The people where they were going to reintroduce the wolves said, no, we, we, <laughs> don't, we don't want the wolves. We have cows and we have all this yeah. stuff we're trying to keep alive. And now you're going to release stuff that's going to cut into our livelihood. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a, and even in New Jersey, we have the, the, a debate on black bears. Yeah. Um, so, and it's, it, there's debates but, like this all the time all the and time. it's affecting one person one way. And yeah, sometimes it's a 50, 50 split and both people or both sides are very passionate yeah. on which way to go. You know, and it's even, and, and I feel weird bringing this up because it's going to be on the podcast that airs after this one, because mm-hmm. we did record, we did record one already. I but. was <clears> going <throat> to try and keep that illusion that we did these linearly alive well, a little You know, long, this but. is, you know, we, we do, I, I'd say 95% of the time we do. You know, oh, yeah, other than yeah. around a holiday, they're pretty linear. This yeah. is a one exception where to get everyone together, we had to to cheat a little bit. Yeah, but yeah. but um, the the mentioning about honeybees and and pollinating blueberry, just mm-hmm. hey, maybe this works. But what if I do it and it doesn't work, and I yeah. take a hit for the year? That's my livelihood. Yeah. You know, it's like even those debates, I, I get, and it's it's easy for me to comment on all these things they affect me indirectly Mm -hmm. you know they don't directly you know it's not my business that would take a hit it's not my family that i have to worry about you know i'm worrying about everyone's family in a Mm -hmm. broad sense over time but it's it's really easy for me to to sit here and comment it's uh it's the conundrum where who should suffer and 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 who shouldn't and um and that's that's life. That's yeah, the decision you make. That, but yeah, that, if anyone does want to uh, to get really depressed, then <laughs> <laughs> wants to uh, listen. Oh man. Oh me me. <laughs> yeah, me. We, have, we haven't gotten quite as far as we wanted to. Um, I would I would recommend it. Uh, listening okay. to to or reading if you have the time to read uh, Silent Spring by Rachel Carson because it does give a lot of background information about how some of these decisions were made and and even goes in depth about um about uh even when they were confronted with the science on some of these, like DDT yeah. is the, the main topic yeah. they talk about a lot. Uh, when they were confronted with the science, hey, DDT really doesn't work. 
it, it kills yeah it kills the mosquitoes but it kills everything right. and it's affecting other things too that you don't want to affect like eagles and, and those yeah. kind of things and now the mosquitoes are back anyway <laughs> and now you don't have all these other things that are going to eat the mosquitoes yes. and keep them in check yeah. they're talking about japanese beetle which is a huge or japanese beetle is a huge turf problem oriental beetle is a huge nursery problem um with the grubs in the pots well Apparently that was like almost under control in like the 40s and, and 50s or early in like the 30s mm-hmm. using a uh, a native thing or not a native but um uh, organic compound called milky spore yeah. and then they said oh well, we can use these other chemicals and it'll get rid of it better and actually made it worse over time because uh, because you were taking this invasive pest and now you killed it, you eradicated, but what was left built up a resistance. I yeah. guess you didn't eradicate it. You got rid well, of most of it, but what was left built up a resistance, and now it's just a pervasive problem. In, in trying to kill them, we managed to help kill off their predators, and we mm-hmm. created more habitat for them oh, yeah. over time. So yeah. it's just we, we keep progressively making things easy for them by trying to use that magic bullet theory where we have one thing that will take care of it. But you, you ban one pesticide – and then you have another one that takes its place. It ends up yeah. getting banned five years down the road mm-hmm. when we learn about what. And uh, what. I I don't want to sp- have. Well, we've already spent more time than yeah. I was thinking on this, but uh, but it was just interesting. Even putting it in today's context, now we're working so hard to to ban some things. We've yeah. we've talked about um, neonicotinoids on the podcast before, yeah. and man, I believe a lot of the alternatives to neonics are actually worse than the neonics are. Yeah, it's um yeah neonics aren't good, but uh but to just say oh we aren't going to use these anymore and then well the alternatives tend to be other chemicals and some of those chemicals when you actually start reading the labels and and looking into the the that science behind them and how they yeah. work it's like oh crap this is scary yeah, yeah. I don't know if I want to like I want to use this but this is what everyone says to use yeah so because we can't use one any or a anymore we got to use B because not doing anything isn't an option yeah. and there really aren't any other options other than those two right yeah. now. so it gets tricky so wow what a way do have what a, a way to start oh, out yeah. <laughs> so I'm, i am going to keep it upbeat though and we have a big slate today but we yes. i'm i'm putting us on a timer all right i don't know if we'll hit an hour i'll let us go a little over but we're not going an hour and a half okay that can't so happen <laughs> we're at 10 minutes right now yeah so but, uh, yeah we have our normal stuff with um with uh, our plants that we like this week, with that's hot, we have some articles to share and this or that. Uh, we do have a topic. Hold, we have a topic. Yeah, we're going to yeah. talk about. What are we going to talk about? Like, oh yeah, the plants that are blooming right now. Yeah, what, what things are hot right now? Yeah. Like we always do that's hot, but it's going to be a more in depth. Yeah, we hot can't for... limit it to just two plants because yeah. this is we we're complaining all winter. So we had nothing. Hey, there's, there's nothing to choose from. Well, now we have such an abundance. Yeah. We can't just choose to. No, we're going to so. take advantage of, of what we have yeah. and, and deal right. into hey, that. But talk about let, That's Hot. Let's talk about the plants we're vibing with this week and go into That's Hot. That's Hot. Would you like to go first? Uh, No. I okay. want you to go first. All right. So my plant for this week is, uh, or this buzz, I should say, is Coreopsis lanceolata, which is lance leaf tick seed. Um which I love this plant. I, this I do is a too. Very cool plant. And you know what? It's it's not that I'm lazy, but it's very convenient that we have a a bed in front of our office. Mm-hmm. 
um and that's right by the door so you walk by it every day and see it and there, a been, lot of your selections are from that they that are flower bed, they, it's so. very convenient <laughs> it's yeah. very and not that i'm lazy it's a good not, reminder it, it is a good really reminder is. when you see it every day and and i realize it's been blooming for quite some time now mm-hmm. uh and making an impression um it really stood out for me the fact that it was still in full glory right now and it's pro- it probably has been for two weeks oh yeah it, yep. easily so uh it's a uh, facultative upland species flat solitary yellow flower uh it is drought tolerant uh it gets one to two foot tall another one that's a lot of basal foliage with flower stalks out of it uh pollinators love them especially bees and butterflies uh it does make a good cut flower so mm-hmm. if you're looking for early cut flowers i know it's you know later in the summer you have a better selection but early on that's a nice one to uh add in it has been said i did see on a couple different places that it can tolerate deer like deer mm-hmm. don't. which i've heard that too yeah it's... so and i don't know if it's deer don't like it as much or it's just very susceptible to deer brows because they're probably eating the flower not the basal foliage mm-hmm. so yep. um and coreopsis uh is greek for bug-like hmm. uh which which is referring more to the seed because mm-hmm. the seed is small like a tick yeah you know yeah. so that's that's my plan it's it's a it's a very striking uh plan if you're not familiar with it and it very much grows like um when you picked it was penstemon you had the last one right where it can I grow in so. yeah. yeah like uh like really thin soils uh, yeah yep. yeah so it's it's a great fo- uh selection for that so yeah no very cool and i love it because it's one of those first blooming things and yeah. we have our we grow it in our seed fields and um and when you see it in mass and it's just this giant yellow block, yeah. it's pretty cool. And a lot of the yellows that we grow are much taller yellows. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, you're in short. that like three to five foot range. This is nice and short, so you can you can layer it uh, in, in the front of a garden and it, it, it does a really good job. Yeah. So my choice this week is uh, is actually a repeat choice. And, uh, and I went a little like, what's the word I'm looking for? different than than normally because um it is something that's blooming now but it's not something people are thinking of at this time of year all right uh and it's winterberry holly oh interesting choice winterberry holly is blooming right now and why i picked it is because it's a dioecious plant okay and everyone thinks about winterberry holly in the winter because you have those the the stems and they are covered in red berries well now's the time of year you get to see is it a male plant or is it a female plant? Yeah. Because only the female plants are going to develop those red berries. Yeah. So if you have a winterberry holly and you aren't sure if it's a male or female, uh, now's the time you go out to that that plant and you look at the flowers. And they're both going to have very, very similar flowers. Yeah. They're going to have white, like probably what, a quarter of the size of, of your pinky nail? Yeah, maybe. I guess if you have yeah. like huge fingers like i do yeah. it's about a maybe yeah. it's like half to a quarter of the size of your pinky nail. they're yeah. really really tiny but they cover the branch yeah. um but even from a distance you won't notice them you have yeah. to get pretty close and then if you get close to the flower you're gonna you're gonna look at it and then the female flowers or the male flowers are gonna have four like yellow stamen coming out the female flowers are gonna have like a green ovary as yeah. well awesome. so and that's how you'll know which one's male and which one's female yeah. and uh which if you want those red berries is important because you need both. Yeah. Um, I, I you, do I do have a very interesting fact for yeah. you. If you you interested? Yeah, definitely. All right. So with winterberry holly, as for most, I don't want to say all, most hollies, um, you don't need another winterberry 
holly to pollinate it. Any mm. ilex will pollinate it. So really? as long yeah. as they're flowering at the same time. So if you have ilex glabra flowering at the same time as as ilex verticillata, it, they'll it'll pollinate it. You'll get the berries. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, and that even works for non-natives too. So hmm. like I understand the need for having male and female in a restoration because you're not going oh, to yeah. have yeah. a pool. But in a community, if you have someone in your development that has blue hollies, mm-hmm. china hollies, they'll pollinate winterberry holly and yeah, Alex Clapper. Yeah. So if if you're worried about, hey, I only want to get one or two, but I how do I find out if there's a male or a female? Mm-hmm. And I know they make like, because there are varieties that are later flowering. Yeah, yeah. So they there's like a late male and an early male for some of these varieties. But mm-hmm. straight species, as long as there's hollies in the vicinity. Yeah. Yeah, which get, I don't get, know. Yeah, they'll get pollinated. Because so, it's very similar flowers. It, it just has to be flowering at that same... And that brings up like another point I was going to mention was it's uh, through the retail side of things for me, yeah. I get a lot of requests when we, we sell a lot of Winterberry Holly, and, uh, and I get a lot of requests and say, oh, I want two females. But since we're growing from seed, I don't know. We don't, <laughs> I don't know. know what's what. We don't know. Until they flower, and then that's when you can tell. And a lot of times, they're, like when they're, they're seedlings or, or tubings, yeah. when they're smaller... They're not flowering yet, yeah. anyway, so you don't uh, you don't know until later. So to anyone who's ever asked me, is this one a male or a female? Um, and I tell you, I don't know. It's because I really, I really don't know. You know, but, and I, and I found this out. I one of the the former nurseries that I worked for introduced mm-hmm. blue holly yeah. and china holly. So which and blue holly is a mixture of English holly and I can't remember the other the other holly that it's crossed with, but. Um, Back at that point, I had a lot of non-natives in my yard, and I had Dragon Lady Holly, mm-hmm. and I just had one, and it buried. Yeah. And there were no other blue hollies in my development, but there were other hollies, and they weren't even close, mm-hmm. you know, but the pollinators did their job, and, and I was getting buried. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and in doing research and talking with the hybridizers, they knew, hey, it doesn't matter. As long as those hollies are blooming at the same yeah. time, for most hollies, so... Mm-hmm. They can cross pollinate, and they they are insect pollinated, which was Fran and I were just saying before the show. It was very difficult to find because there are so many cultivars of uh, winterberry yeah. holly that, and a lot of times when you're choosing cultivars, only certain they say only certain ones will yeah. will po- uh, pollinate other hollies. So you need a specific male to pollinate specific females and and, um, and most of the cultivars are for there's some height like red sprite is a yeah, smaller one yeah. and or it's the size of the berry or the redness of the mm-hmm. berry like some are more red some are more orange it's yep. you know so uh so that's just some other things you need to pay attention yeah. to but if you do have straight species hollies in your backyard and you don't know what they are now's the time go out there as long as you're in the, the mid-atlantic yeah. go out there take a look and uh and see if you can find any little bees and, and wasp and those kind of things flying around too because that's doing some of the pollination on those awesome. those plants so awesome. yeah fantastic fantastic that great two great choices and we're yeah. going to go into more a little bit later on but we're going to keep it keep it rolling oh yeah yeah um, so let's go into this week's botany based current events and as always it's a competition <laughs> it is a competition so let's get into this or that all right, so we we do have a winner, obviously, because there's there, there has to be a winner, and the uh, winner of this week's or I guess last buzz uh, contest is Tom. Yeah, you, you know it's you yeah. know it's not me when there's not more flair. <laughs> yeah. it's like eh, so we do have a winner. The yeah. winner is. But no, Tom won twelve to six. Congratulations! So. Thank you very much. And that was I had the I chose a couple i had some very bad losses earlier where it was very lopsided yeah. and uh so i kind of chose something i thought would wouldn't 
excite the people. So awesome, awesome. And, uh, so and now back to normal. Now, <laughs> now I'm doing, doing things I like again. Well, yeah, I, you know, I I'm, I saw one that really interested me. Mm-hmm. I thought others might find it interesting too. But you get to pick since you yeah, won. You I'm get to pick. gonna have you go first again. Okay. All right. Awesome. So my article is uh, from Science Daily. Um, and it's called Salt Salt Marshes Trap. Wow, that's almost like a tongue twister. I couldn't get myself to say that. <laughs> salt marshes trap microplastics in their sediments, creating record of human plastic use. Uh, it was done uh, originally published in the Marine Biological Laboratory, originally written by Emily Green Greenhall. I think that's right, close Greenhall. enough. Yeah. Okay. So again, instead of me trying to paraphrase, paraphrase badly. Uh, the article, I, I've highlighted a couple key paragraphs uh, that I'm going to read quickly. So salt marshes are the link between land and open ocean ecosystems and, in a way, between urban environments and the wild ocean. Microplastics, which are plastic particles smaller than 5 millimeters, tend to float on the water surface. But salt marshes fill and empty with the tides, so particles that would normally float get trapped with branches and roots and settle into the marsh soil. Sediments accumulate in the salt marsh layer after layer, like tree rings, keeping a historical record of sedimentation within the ecosystem. By accumulating sediments, they are keeping a record of time, says Javier Loray. I'm going to guess, even with my glasses, yeah, that, I'm that having sounds, a try. That sounds weird. Uh, uh, MBL research scientist and co-first author on the paper. By taking core samples of the marsh sediment at six different estuaries in the Quite Bay system on Cape Cod as well as New Bedford, Massachusetts Harbor, the researchers were able to trace the abundance of microplastics dating back decades in areas with very contrasted degrees of land use. So they were able to get – one site was a pristine salt marsh uh, all the way to heavily, heavily impacted. And the findings were um, – which was a, a surprise in the data that the microplastic concentration in the sediments wasn't linear as urbanization grew. Up to 50 percent development, the concentration of microplastic fragments were relatively unchanged. But it was once the land was occupied at 50% or larger, that's when the number of microplastics grew exponentially. So I just thought that was – that they were able to take core samples in marshes to trap that. That's something I would have never even had contemplated, microplastics getting trapped in, in marsh sediment yeah, and being so able to. It's interesting. So um, a lot of these these wetland areas, especially like bogs and, and swamps and yeah. – Anything, especially ones that have like a peat base, yeah. uh, which I think salt marshes have some some peat buildup as well. Just or, or, it depends on that. Basically, I think. there's yeah. there's abiotic conditions, so things process differently and uh, then degrade quick or differently or decompose yeah. differently. I guess is the word I'm looking for. And um, so you can really tell just through history different events, almost like how tree rings can tell you. Oh, this year had more or more rain and less rain and those yeah. kind of things. You can tell by the tree rings different things through through history you can do it with core samples through through these wetland systems and a lot of a lot of times just because they are uh accumulating organic material where yeah. a lot of systems are losing organic material yeah. over time and, and unless you're completely yeah. filling in a marsh mm-hmm. and building over it, it it's not it's being yeah. impacted in ways by what we do around it yeah. but not directly you're not like building stores and getting mm-hmm. foot traffic for the most part you know through these through these marshes yeah, and so. even like, i know up in new england even they're talking salt marshes in particular are a tidally controlled system so you have tides coming in and come out you have 
erosion that's going to happen. Yeah. But in New England specifically, I know or Rhode Island even more specifically, they have some of these salt marshes that are uh, accumulating and even keeping up with sea level rise. Wow. So, so yeah, there's a lot of um, uh, organic material accumulation happening, and then because of the the wet conditions, you're not having typical respiration. Yeah, I guess. yeah. So, um, and like you have, like I said, you have abiotic conditions, so it is a pretty good marker of how things yeah. are are happening over time. But I thought it was interesting that that marker was kind of like fifty percent, like. Fifty percent land use, you know, it really doesn't change. Once you get over mm-hmm. that, then it's like, oh, there was a huge change from fifty to sixty, even bigger change from sixty mm-hmm. to seventy. Yep. Just, yep. you know, and some of these places are are pretty built up around. You oh, know, yeah. that's. Yep. I'd be interested to see impact based on after a huge environmental uh, change, like a hurricane mm-hmm. or something like that. Like I would have loved to have known the before and after of like a Hurricane Sandy, yeah, here in the yeah. uh, Mid Atlantic and Northeast, yeah, you yeah. know. But I, you know, that to me, that's just the start of of some of these studies. I can't wait to see what comes past that. But just the microplastic. Now they can say, well, you know, it's really always existed, mm-hmm. but it wasn't that bad here. But really, in the last couple decades, that's when it's exponentially produced, and that's all in the the water. So yeah. that's. Yeah. So I just thought that was. Because we're in the salt marsh business, I found that <laughs> yeah, no, that is a, to me. a pretty cool, <clears throat> cool article. And that's me. What so, do you got this week? Mine, and I, I almost didn't choose this one because I had this. I, I saw um, Benjamin Vogt put it on his Facebook okay. page, I think. And I was like, "Ooh, this is going to be a good one to to use." This it got me really excited. And then someone posted in our Facebook group, I'm like, oh, I don't know if I'll use it." Now. Oh, was it Doctor e- the one Doctor Evil? Do- yeah, Doctor <laughs> Evil. Doctor Evil posted it, and. Um, in our Facebook group, and I'm like, uh, do I really want to use it anymore? And I didn't get a chance to like fully read it yet. I just yeah. read the headline. I'm like, oh, this is gonna interest me. But uh, if you haven't seen it in the Facebook group, it's called Eight Generations of Native Seed Cultivation Reduces Plant Fitness Relative to the Wild." Uh, pro- pro- I can't say that word. Progenitor population. <laughs> so I think I'm saying that right. I'm having. You know what? I'm having a huge problem talking today. Oh yeah. So yeah. I don't know what it is. But um. And I'll read a couple sections of the abstract, and I'll get into my thoughts about it. But uh, basically, it started out and said, Native seed for restoration is in high demand, but widespread habitat degradation will likely prevent enough seed from being sustainably harvested from wild populations to meet this need. While propagation of native species has emerged in recent decades to address this resource gap, few studies have tested whether the processes of sampling from wild populations followed by generations of farm cultivation reduce plant fitness tolerance or plant fitness tolerance to stress over time um, and some of their methods were basically to test this we grew eight generate the eighth generation of farm propagated in clarkia pucella which is a uh, perch um, alongside seeds from two of the three original wild source populations that established native farm seed at the outset farm seeds were 4.1 percent heavier and had four percent greater germination compared to wild collected seed at maturity farm plants were 22 percent taller and had 20 percent larger stigmatic surfaces even after accumulating for differences in initial seed size. Uh, importantly, the mortality of farm plants was extremely high uh, at 75%, especially in the low water treatment, uh, which rose to 80%. Uh, moreover, farm plants under the high water treatment had 90% lower le- lower relative fitness than wild plants due to the 1.3 times greater weekly mortality and a threefold reduction in flowering likelihood. And uh, basically they said it all came down to unconscious selection. Yeah, You're selecting... Uh, which plants when you harvest the seed and all these different things, which um, 
So there, there's a lot of good stuff that's coming yeah. out in this article, and uh, I hate to oh, for, I hate to, to rag on <laughs> a little bit, but I guess the first thing is I hate the title. Yeah. Because they really only looked at one species. Yes. And the title makes it sound like a lot broader. Yeah. Research happened. Yeah. Um, it's eight generations of of cultivation of that one species, not native seed cultivation. Yeah. So that I think was a little bit misleading and probably made me look at this a little bit more negatively as I started to get into yeah. it. Um, but uh, but they do bring up a lot of really good points. So unconscious selection is something that happens with native seed collection yeah. regardless because like when, when we go out to collect seed from wild sites, oh, we go one day, maybe two, yeah, and it's whatever's there that day is what you're going to yeah. get. So and you try to get a have, large community and and different communities. You yeah, try to, yeah. You so you even if you're collecting from a couple different communities, you're still not getting something that's that's equivalent to uh, the region or yeah. even the, the genetics diversity of the region or even definitely not the whole yeah. native range of of that yeah. species. Um, which that part is actually probably a good thing because you're only selecting the local uh, yeah. genetics. Um, and we've talked about that a little bit before, how that differs from region to region, depending on species as well. Yeah. Um, but then, uh, so you're really only getting at what's available that day. So things, there's things that were probably producing seed that has already fallen to the ground earlier. Yeah. There's stuff that isn't quite ripe yet okay. that you haven't gotten. So you've or that birds a, have beat. Maybe there was a yeah, community the of songbirds that came by. That, that so you're that only getting a segment of the genetics just when you go and collect the wild seed. Now you're taking them back to, in our case, the nursery, and you're germinating them, well, there's some things that just gonna, aren't going to germinate in the conditions we have. So now you've even narrowed that even more. Yeah. So if you had 100% and now you're down to, what, 25%. I'm just making up yeah. numbers. But so you've really narrowed it down. Well, now you're doing that. Um, you're doing plant or you're planting. You're doing maintenance. There's things that are going to – that's probably a little bit more random with the planting and maintenance because you're going through and yeah. you're cultivating or doing some kind of things to help clean out your hoeing and you nick one off. Well, that's it's minimizing genetic diversity, but it's not so much um, only selecting a portion. It's just it's by accident. You know, to me, it's it's another conundrum because yeah. you know, ecologically, everyone loves what what native plant nurseries do, mm -hmm. but in order to grow the plants or supply the seed. You know, we, we do it two ways here at the nursery. So we wild collect for plants that we're going to produce mm -hmm. in production to have saleable plants. Yeah. If we're supplying seed mixes, that's more farmed mm -hmm. farm seed. So and, – and that's because if you were to go out to supply the amount of seed that – and we're small, yeah. you know, that, that some yep. of these larger ones do. If you were to go out and go to the same place every year and collect all the seed from this one site every year, you're going to degrade these natural mm -hmm. sites. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And and you're hurting the ecosystem this way. So you have to have farm crops, mm -hmm. but you are getting maybe a different because you're creating you're, you're isolating some. But it's but, uh, here's where I yeah. I change it up because even you're isolating that genetics even more because then when we harvest out of our fields, you're getting stuff at a certain height. It's going back to the time again. It's yeah. what's ripe then. Um, there's shattering that happens in like in so yeah. a lot of the grasses yeah. where some, the head will actually the or the stem will break off yeah at the so now the seed is actually lower to the ground and yeah. maybe you're you're eliminating all the shattering yeah. species but uh and then you go through the cleaning process that's doing stuff that's yeah. by weight and size and so now you're really refining even more but, but i'm i'm looking at like if you have a different yeah. different genetics for the farming crop but you're also creating i'm just looking at it broadly 
as a whole, the farm mm-hmm. would be an ecosystem. But you're yeah. creating these little microsystems of mm-hmm. monocultures of mm-hmm. one yeah. type. You may have an acre of just one plant, and yeah. which changes how pollinators would move around. It might change a lot of it. It might even change how that seed grows because of that. Like we know like if there's a honeybee hive yeah. nearby, you're going oh, to yeah. have less seed production or mm-hmm. more less viable seed. So it's just kind of mm-hmm. – it's unnatural. Even in the nursery setting, it's unnatural. Oh, yeah. You know, you're creating – you're creating natural plants in an unnatural setting. Mm-hmm. So you're going to have those variations. Y- you have to. There's no way around yeah. having – I'm not surprised so, that farm crops, you know, there's a maybe a degra- degradation because it's yeah. it's a, not a natural environment. Now, I guess where I had some issues with some of the research was, yeah, obviously the, the narrowing that genetic pool is a concern. Yeah. But a lot of the seed producers I know – and maybe, maybe I'm just friends with a lot of good yeah. seed producers, uh, and, and this is including ourselves. Well, we're doing some hand collection earlier in yeah. the season to capture some of that early genetics, yeah. and then we'll go through later and do some more mechanical harvesting. Yeah. Um, you're collecting at multiple heights. You're reintroducing wild seed into that farm site over over periods of time yeah. to keep it, like reintroduce some of that yeah. that mother generation of of species. Yes, so. Good seed producers are doing are taking this into account not because of science because it just makes sense. Yeah, and they say, "Oh, well, we need to do this already." I'm sure there's seed producers that are just looking at the bottom line and saying, mm-hmm. "Okay, it's cheaper if I don't do any of that stuff." Yeah, but people who are getting this business tend to get into it because they're ecologically they conscious, yeah. conscious yeah, already, exactly. and they can kind of put two and two together and say, "Oh, this is how it works." Um, I don't think anybody ever decided to go in the nursery business because they were going to make a killing. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> but uh, and then. I guess I didn't understand why they chose the eighth generation, because for from our nursery crop, you're looking at the the first generation removed from the wild yeah. is what's going out the door. Yeah. Maybe the second, um, and and I guess, but then even what's going into our our seed fields, it's it's only well, we're taking first or second generation plants yeah. removed from the wild, planting them in a field, and then we're just harvesting directly off of them. So we're getting third generation removed seed. Yeah. I don't know if we have anything that's going to be. I guess you have crosses in there that. Yeah. Have, but now you're harvesting from third, fourth, fifth, sixth. Yeah. You're not just getting just the eighth generation. You're getting multiple generations, generations of seed, yeah. um, because a lot of that seed, when we go and collect, even mechanically, which you think would be very efficient, it is. But you're not getting all the seed that's out there. Yeah. You have the stuff that's earlier. You have the stuff that's later. Yeah. There's things that they bring up a lot of valid concerns, but I don't. I don't know how they got that like, eighth generation thing. Because I'm sure it's going to vary even per plant. Because if you're farming Rudbeckia herta, so Black-Eyed mm-hmm. Susan, yeah. which is basically a reseeding annual, mm-hmm. what the plants that you plant five years from now aren't going yeah. to be the plants that you're collecting from. Mm-hmm. You might be five generations, six generations. And but some plants, that's not the case. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a perennial. It's come back. You're collecting the same plants, yeah. and you're getting a diversity of generations. That's a good point because the, the species they did study was an annual. Okay. So, so that you makes, have an annual. Okay, now sense. you're getting generation after generation after generation. Yeah. But at least on the East Coast, there's not a lot of seed native seed production of annual species. No. There's not actually that very I know little. Of. Not so, that I know of. Because it's – and that's one of the big complaints in the, the – from the seed consumers is hey we want more native annuals yeah. and it's just it's not profitable growing native annuals no. i guess where you have a lot of land and and more mechanization out west they probably do a lot more of it but yeah um yeah so it, it was an interesting article and i'm going to share my opinion on our our facebook site when i find time um 
at some point this week. But because uh, um, I, I do want to put it out there as well, so I can have some some uh, conversations yeah. about it. But yeah, I think it's it's interesting research. But I just I, and they were it's doing everything me, in a greenhouse. To, to me, it's more too so, narrow of a research. Yeah, it yeah. really is. You gotta it's, you can't have that kind of title when you're only focused on one species. Yes. So yeah, um, I agree. No, but I'm glad I'm glad people are doing it because it means that we don't have to do yeah, it. No, you we have don't have start. the time to do this kind of research, even though we want to know this kind of stuff. Like I said, we're we're accounting for a lot of these things because it just makes sense that that would happen, and we're doing it on a hunch in a way. You have to start um, somewhere. But now it's, that it's, the research is happening, oh, hopefully that can give us more refined ways to do a better job of, of making sure the, the genetic diversity is, is good for um, replanting in, in – restoration site yeah so yeah yeah awesome awesome all so, right and so, so you, of course it's it's always a competition and there can be only one so we'll post it i guess uh, uh it'll be at, friday i've been i've i've slacked a couple times but i think the last one i got up on time maybe it was quick. the one before i've been trying to get them up pretty quick by like the two quicker so. the quicker they're up the more votes we yeah, get exactly. definitely so and and that will end that so make sure you vote because and of course the choice is yours i haven't played that for a while thought we played the intro and i never played the outro (laughs) so i just wanted to work that in so So, moving on we had some really good uh listener interactions this week we did we did and if if i could actually find the intro i would i would play it here we go listener listener shout out shout out would, would you like to yeah, kick I'll, it I can go. I can go first okay. this time since I've made you go first. The, <laughs> I don't mind going <laughs> the last first. Couple. But um, mine is to uh, Ross. I think he says his name. Pilling. 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 But it could be piling. He And he listens. So. Yeah. But I just met him over the weekend. He uh, he called me and asked if he could come, come by to pick up some plants. And uh, I just happened to not be doing anything at that moment. So I was able to pick up the phone. I talked to him a little bit and we got him squared away and he stopped by and he was just saying how much he liked the podcast and awesome like it's a little ego boost it makes me it makes me feel better i wish he i got that after reading silent spring instead of before <laughs> but, but it works either way so but uh no he was he was really excited to get some native plants and and enjoyed what we were doing so like i said it's every time we get that it just makes us feel like we're we're connecting in the right ways so no, and it's I, nice to meet people it's that's that's the best part and, and i just had actually i actually I'm, I'm not going to say the name because I, I may save it for a later shout out, but I just had one of our customers call and we, we had a conversation. We we're going over uh, and a longtime customer and he was like, oh, by the way, I bet I'm a longtime listener of the podcast. I love it. And I was like, man, thank you so much yeah. for oh, yeah. I would have never have known, mm-hmm. you know, but I appreciate that he threw it out there so that I knew, yep. you know, because exactly. I was like, oh, wow. You know, this because it's someone I I highly respect in in the work that they do, and I was like, oh, I, I appreciate mm-hmm. that you're listening to us, and 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 you're still listening to us. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so, exactly. But my my uh, pick, I wanted to pick Deborah Rosenthal. You know, Deborah is one of those people that has been active from the beginning, and we mention her on most episodes mm-hmm. of the Buzz. There's a few people oh, that yeah. get mentioned a lot on the Buzz. So, uh, Deborah's, uh, Deborah's husband RJ uh, contributes the theme music to the Buzz and to Rooted Discussions. Mm-hmm. Um, and Deborah is very active. We're we're actually she's getting us involved in doing a talk for for wild ones in the uh, uh, middle middle Tennessee. Middle Tennessee. Um, and you know she does a lot of great work on her own property. And she's one of those people that is asking me questions now that I can't answer because I she's she's answering questions that I can't answer. So I mm-hmm. love seeing someone that 
has taken an interest and seen their interest grow and is an important member of oh, of, yeah. the, of the group. Mm-hmm. Plus, I get to have great music conversations with her, yeah. too. So <laughs> yep. it's gone beyond just plant material. We we joke around and have other chats as well, which I, I really appreciate. So I love that it's gotten to that point. Yeah. Oh, so, yeah. so that's my choice. So, yeah. So, uh, like like always, just keep – if you're not in the Facebook joint – Facebook group, join the Facebook group, and just start having these conversations. A lot of the reasons we want to put this stuff out there is to to create conversations. Yeah. And maybe you don't always agree with what Fran or I have to say, but that's okay. we're fine if you tell us as long as you do it politely. Yes, we need to we need to be friendly and and we want to be friends at the end of it. Yeah. We can disagree, and Fran and I disagree on stuff all yeah. the time. As long, but at the end you of the day, it's like okay, we're this is the decision we're making, or this is. Yeah. And then we're going off, and we're still having fun on and other things. So there, there, there has to be a respect about it, exactly. and I, I, I see that in our group. And there's a lot of people. And again, I don't want to mention names because they'll probably get shout outs yeah. on later ones. Oh, yeah. But uh, just the amount of uh, posts about edibles um, mm-hmm. and foraging and teas and things like that—it's really progressing. And I love that people are throwing things out there, and other people are trying it, and they're going back and forth, and they're experimenting and. Be- but they're becoming friends, yeah. Which oh, is, yeah. which is all you can ask for. And this is between older members, new newer members. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I I appreciate that very much. Yeah. So it's uh, and if you can put up with us all the yeah. time, that's <laughs> that's yeah. You know, speaking of talk show, I do want to throw this out, and I know it's early because we don't know the date yet. But you and I will be guest lecturers at Bowman's Hill Wild Wildflower Preserve, yeah. and I know a lot of the staff there listens to us. So hello and thank you mm-hmm. for listening. Um, and I know it will be in October, and it will be via Zoom. So if anyone wants to, uh, to sign doesn't, up, doesn't doesn't hear from us enough. Yeah, then, yeah. If, if you, you can... if you're not already tired of listening yeah. to us, so I know the 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 talk will be about native plants has how they pertain to you and your community, but also about the thing that we talk about all mm-hmm. the time: growing that circle. Yep. A lot of the times, getting more people involved. When we talk to people, we're we're pre, it's the choir. You know, yep. they they know it's going to be about native plants. That's who it's it's interesting. But we need to start preparing ourselves yeah. to just to, to all spread that yeah. word like, like i said that I've, in the beginning of the podcast silent spring made me really it, mostly that it was published in 1962 and we i thought we'd be a lot further along yeah but uh in in this this uh process but six but, um, years later we're still having the six same. years later we're talking about the same stuff and that the only way we're gonna get past that is just by getting more people involved making it easy to get yeah. people involved and and putting in a way, putting native plants in a way that's um, that's going to be interesting to them. Not everyone's into birds and bees and yeah. butterflies and and even eating native plants, but there to, is things that they're going to relate to them that that will be interesting. You have in. to find the common ground. Yep. You know, obviously, when you meet someone, you're you're even subconsciously trying to find common ground so that that you can have a conversation with this person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when it comes to the ecosystem, there's got to be some sort of common ground that mm-hmm. you can connect upon. Yeah in a polite way that can get people just yeah. to at least start thinking about it. So once we know the date for the talk, we'll put it out there. If, if, if our listeners want to register, uh, we'd love to see a great turnout and see some faces that mm-hmm. we kind of know in the crowd. So, all right. So, awesome. Now we have some questions. We, we, right. we do. I want to ask you a bunch of questions and I want to have them answered immediately. It's a simple question. Um, no, I didn't hear you. What was your question? If we're keeping it to an hour, we only got 15 minutes left. I and think we, we, we still have will come close. I, um, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> All right, so 
we we do have a new caller this week. I love uh, new callers, and it's not really a question; it's a comment, which I appreciate as well. And mm-hmm. we're going to play that right now. Hi, this is Sean from Northern New Jersey. Northern New Jersey. When I'm not slaying Japanese knotweed, I'm often planting in bald and burlap and in cocoa pots. And in reference to episode number 55, the cocoa fiber pots really work. They reduce uh, transition shock, and they degrade within about a year or so. I don't know if they work for your nursery, but they certainly work for me as a home gardener. Love your podcast. Take care, guys. Sean, thank you so much for calling. Yeah. I, I love that. I, I wish we would get more of those. Mm-hmm. I, I love that. But um, so one thing, I, I think we've discussed it before. If you don't know what bald and burlap means, so plants are either grown in a container mm-hmm. or they're grown in the ground. And when they're harvested out of the ground, they're wrapped in burlap. So it's it's called bald and burlap or B&B. So mm-hmm. that's something that's been dug out of the ground as opposed to specifically grown in a container. Yep. One thing to to keep in mind for harvesting plants, a lot of our native plants – like harvesting happens from the ground when the plants are dormant, so after mm-hmm. they drop their leaf. Not saying they can't be dug at other times of the year, but you have to be – there's a whole process behind yes, it, yeah. and there's more risk. But a lot of our native plants are fall dig hazards, so they don't like to be dug in the fall. So you really only get one season. Um all of our native uh, oaks to the northeast, with the exception of pin oak, do not want to be dug in the fall. Mm. Um, black gum do not like to be dug in the fall. There's, and and for different reasons, trees that tend to be a little more twiggy, or have a tap root, or um, hold their leaves late, are different reasons why they don't mm. like to be harvested in the fall. But um, so there are some some tricky things, and it takes longer for that that tree to. Um, establish yeah you know the bigger the plant the smaller the plant the quicker the establishment so or the easier the transplant Mm -hmm. so it was just nice to get some feedback on the cocoa pots because i have none with the i have no experience with the cocoa pots i think they they're great for um for for home gardeners and particularly because you have an end date when you know you're gonna you're gonna put them in the ground i that was more of our complaint from the nursery side is uh we if we were to plant something in cocoa pots well, you don't know we might you know. sell it in, in a month. We might sell it in six months. It might not sell at all. Yeah. And that's when it doesn't sell at all or it sells after years. That's when you run into some issues and you don't have those issues with the plastic. Yeah. So that's one of the reasons why we plastic has the advantage over the cocoa pots. But I think if you can – you don't need to use plastic or new plastic, I should say, at home. If you can use cocoa I, pots, you can use um, peat pots. You can even just take, like, old soda bottles and or or milk cartons or those kind of things and use that as your pots yeah. just cut off the tops and use that yeah. as a pot it's the same thing yeah. drill some holes in the bottom for for drainage and and then it's even cooler because then when they're clear you can see the the roots growing in the the bottom you know i would love to just try some of the cocoa pots just yeah. to see i would imagine I, I would imagine that it's they're being held together by glue that's my mm-hmm. guess yeah i would love to see if the roots grow through and you get air pruning or mm-hmm. if the roots stop at the pot or over time, as the pots start to degrade, if you get that that interaction between roots and pots, mm-hmm. but yeah. just like to know how long that pot yeah. is viable yeah. in a nursery setting. Yeah. In a in a homeowner setting, it's a completely different story. Oh yeah, but it, it was interesting because right after we had that um, the nursery pot discussion on the last buzz, our rep from 
um, the the company that sells Elipots actually stopped by. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that's right. We were talking right. about Elipots. Like, it was the next day. It was funny that it was just a random encounter. He was on vacation in New Hampshire. He was from Ohio, and he decided they were going to take the, the scenic route home and visit some of his customers on the way back. Oh, so that's awesome. We got to talk to him a little bit, and that was that was nice. Very so, cool. And he's, he's excited about getting us to try some more stuff here, which we want to. Yeah, so. yeah. It, you know, it's, I love that we're constantly – look there's new mm-hmm. technology coming out and we're constantly evaluating it and looking at it to see if we can incorporate it and do things better as far as from a ecosystem standpoint yeah and i i love that now you said we had a second call we do we do but if it's if it's you know who i don't know if I'm listening oh to we're right playing now. it yeah we're playing it <laughs> it was a shopping mall now it's all covered with flowers you got it you got what I'm no, no, not now. No, I'm waiting. I'm on hold with the Pine Men. I, this is their hold music. Please, no, not now. I I'm waiting on hold, and then we have a seven second delay, which we must respect. No, okay, I'll be with you shortly. Thank you. Hello, fellas. Hi, hi. The Native Knowledge Men. Hello, my Pine friends. Yes. Um, on a topic, Pam Balam, the answer man, that was in fact a drummer in the Cramps, and her brother, as you well know, uh, Pam, was uh, the very cool Brian Gregory, but that's another topic uh, for perhaps another radio program that you might want to start. Thomas, I'm sorry to indulge myself. Uh, Now, Pam, Thomas, uh, Mr. English Muffin, a moment of thanksgiving, if I may. As you probably read in the papers, I believe the Post, had a front page article on it. I was working the big drill press on the property on my estate, and I was hitting the head with a flying buttress, and it hurt. Uh, but I'm convalescing now in a hammock for some time, as Pam has discussed earlier, and I'm okay and should make a recovery. Now, I want to thank you, your producer there. I forget her name. Is it Mabel? They're on the radio, or, or Martha. She sent me a very nice basket, and I was just a little bit unsure of how a cheese and a summer sausage don't need any refrigeration but maybe that's another show all by itself i don't know i anyway men pam had mentioned the cherry the wishniak and i wanted to remind you and pam you know this the band the scandal with the patty smite they did a commercial for frank soda and at the end she says is it frank thanks and I remember her. She was a very nice person. Now, this was before she became the warrior. Remember when she was a warrior? Right. Well, this was before that. And, and Pam, tell Thomas, this is Patty Smythe. Not Patty Smith, who was also very good, but she had the armpits and, you know, whatever. Uh, now, fellas, I had a laugh during the buzz cut program, as you call it, because now Pam already knows this, but Mr. English, back in my beatnik days, many years back, I published quite a few books under the name of, of Harry Beartongue, and I, I don't know if I mean, my publisher, as Pam knows, was, was called the Penstemon Press down in the village. Now, uh, Thomas, my most famous book as Harry Beartongue was, um, and this is the one I autographed to you, Pam, at the Antiquarian Book Fair, was Better Make That Dinner To Go, A Personal History of Eating Lonely Meals in New York. <laughs> That was that was all over the place. There was no. <laughs> uh, did he ask a question? No, <laughs> no, it wasn't comment. even on topic. Um, <laughs> so, 
So I'm, I'm thinking – I did write myself a note. We should maybe make – we have no hold music. When you call our question and comment line, it goes right to a voicemail, mm-hmm. and you leave a message. So He's just always got music in his head. Yeah. Thanks. We need to come up with or make a Saul playlist. So the song <laughs> he was singing was Nothing But Flowers by the Talking Heads, and I think the last one was Sowing the Seeds of Love mm-hmm. by Tears for Fears. Do you know who the Talking Heads are? Uh, yes. I all right. All right. So um, – Wow, he was all over. So Brian Gregory, he mentioned Pam Balam was the brother of Brian Gregory. Brian Gregory was the original guitarist, bassist, guitarist, bass, guitarist in the Gramps. Mm-hmm. Their brother and sister, and, and he unfortunately passed away at an early age. Um, and he also mentioned it's all music. Patty Smythe and Patty Smith. Do you know who either of them are? Neither. No. <laughs> so, so Patty Smythe was in the band Scandal. Their big hit was The Warrior mm-hmm. in yep. the 80s. Yep. So do you know that song? I know that song. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So and they did a commercial for Frank's, which was a uh, a local Philly. Uh, mm-hmm. So it was like the the bargain soda. Yeah. You know, yep. but it was good soda. But um, and their slogan was, "Is it Frank's?" Thanks. That's that's it's good. But, it's it, it rhymes. Yeah. So Patty Smith was a poet original cbgb new york city mm-hmm. uh, artist uh, like a lot of her music was spoken word or, or music she didn't shave her armpits yeah. okay. so that's yeah. that's that was that but um he's talking to a producer now like yeah, which i thought i produced we, yeah. the, like, i don't think we have a producer. so he's he's if he <laughs> if he's talking about me he's confusing me for a woman now so now Could i'm be. fran or yeah. mabel i guess yeah. it is <laughs> so I think we'll keep the food preser- whole food preservatives for a whole nother topic. Yeah, we do yeah. food, but uh, I'm thinking these books. He's saying I have an autographed copy. If these books exist, I need to. Yeah, yeah, we I gotta think, find them someplace. Yeah, it's Harry Beard. <laughs> 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 He's. I think that flying buttress hit him. Uh, that's <laughs> hit him a like, little too hard. Yeah, I, I thought those things only happened in like cathedrals <laughs> yeah. in like Europe. Now he's. He's got flying buttresses on his property. We, <laughs> all right. I just think we need to. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I got nothing. I don't, I don't know, know what, what else to say. I I got <laughs> nothing. It, it was. <laughs> all right. Maybe we should just go into the topic. I think we should. All right. And this is like our our greater expanded version of that's hot. So yeah, yeah. We have a list here of things that we've seen blooming around the nursery some are just starting to taper out some of them are just starting to to pick up so mm-hmm. we just want to list some stuff off and it's like uh darren in, in washington this probably isn't going to help you very much but no but yeah. if you're in the mid-atlantic this is kind of what's going on right now and something that you might want to go outside and take a look for yeah you know it's you know a lot of times when you're searching for native plants and you're going to a garden center you're buying things out of bloom because you're you're you're, it's a different experience. You're going there with a thought in mind of what you want. And a lot of times garden centers will focus on what's in bloom. So mm-hmm. these are some things that are kind of in bloom now or in their uh, – have some sort of visual stimulation right now that, that you can walk in and, and see. So um, I, I I think it it's fair to – we've mentioned Penstemon so many times now, but I just happened to be walking through an – walking by an order the other day, and they were in full bloom, and the mm-hmm. pollinators were all over them. Right now, Penstemon – is a great choice of what's looking yeah, good. Yep. Um, yeah, it's just starting to set seed. Um, and then this is Pensman Digitalis. Pensman Hirsutis is actually like a week or two earlier, and uh, and still in bloom in our area. But uh, but is is if you go along, you have maybe three quarters of the flowers already starting to set seed, where yeah. you still have a handful that are, are left on the stalk. Yeah. 
Um, you also had Iris Versicolor. Yeah, you know, I did, uh, and I posted in the, the Facebook group. I, I went for a walk at one of the local Burlington County Parks uh, last weekend, and I had my camera with me, and I was taking photos. And I was surprised to see Iris still in bloom. Yeah, yeah um, it's typically wrapped up by now. Yeah, so it was just very interesting to me. So that's that should be over, but right now there's, you know, in the wild, Iris mm-hmm. is still blooming. Uh, I've noticed, you know, it's funny. It's one of those shrubs that I don't, realize until it's in bloom but i've i've been noticing sambucus all over elderberry all over now yep. like it's 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 along the ditches uh, on the road leading up to the nursery you're kind of seeing it all over the place yeah, right which right i now. made a uh elderberry is becoming popular for the um the the berries because they're high in antioxidants and, and if you make it like a juice or jams and yeah. those kind of things out of them but uh and then a couple years ago with the royal wedding it was popular because they had like elderberry syrup in their drinks or something like that i was just at a a a tavern two weeks ago elderberry liqueur that's they had elderflower liqueur yeah Yeah, and i didn't have it because it was a very elderflower liqueur not elderberry liqueur which is just the flower of your elderberry it was a very cold and rainy day Mm. and it was a very warm and summery drink like like it wasn't it wasn't what you wanted to have that day and then uh then i actually just reposted this on our pilots nursery facebook page the other day but i did a a recipe video for uh elderberry or elderflower fritters and you made them for us they were wonderful yeah yeah Yeah. and i was thinking maybe i gotta make them again because they were really good yeah i haven't made them in a couple years totally um uh, viburnum, uh, mm-hmm. dentatum is flowering right now. Now album's wrapped up. Wrapped up, yeah. But uh, I, I've noticed that uh, dentatum is is like pretty much it was in its glory last weekend. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so that's when you can start seeing on properties if they have um, cultivars because they most of them will bloom at different times. So yes. the native yeah. one for us here in the in the Northeast, in, at least in New Jersey, is blooming right now. Yeah. Then. Uh, what I almost chose for my that's hot, but then I wanted to take a little, yeah. throw a little curveball. Uh, but I almost chose Magnolia Virginiana, which is a really cool plant that's that's blooming right now. Yeah. Another shrub, great, yeah. great uh, summer flower, mm-hmm. you know. And it's it's uh, we've chosen it. I think I chose it in the in the late late fall, early winter because it was still holding its leaves. Um, mm-hmm. yep. So it's 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 a great you know for for magnolias, and you don't have to worry about frost nipping the flowers off because it blooms later mm-hmm. it's, it's a great plant uh the the native roses uh, mm-hmm. uh pasture rose i noticed in the nursery i was walking through a house and pasture rose was blooming so yeah, yeah a lot of uh, the native roses, roses are blooming right now so that's a that's a great one uh has a lot of benefits i know darren uh was posting his were blooming mm-hmm. uh in, out, out, in in, out in washington yeah. so so and one and i threw this one in there it's not something we grow but uh but i've seen just so many questions about it online is those little um like aster-like flowers that are white and have the yellow yeah. centers that you yeah. see all over yeah uh is called daisy fleabane okay and also a native plant and it's i think it's an annual but they're just popping up all over and uh i know there's a lot of people who are getting annoyed in some of these native plant groups because there's just so many people posting pictures saying hey what's this is it native <laughs> and uh yeah sometimes it gets a little overwhelming yes. sometimes but yeah. that's if you are seeing if you're in the the northeast mid-atlantic and you see that like little white daisy-ish aster-like flower that's what that I, is. I've noticed it a lot lately. It's, it's popping up. Uh, as Tom mentioned, Winterberry Holly mm-hmm. uh, is in blooming right now. So uh, and we already waxed poetically about the benefits of that one. Yeah. And then uh, I was walking in our seed fields. And then I noticed by our, our mailbox, too, we have some common milkweed. And that is literally set flower heads. And oh, some of them okay. are just starting to bloom, which is now the awesome. time. So You know, it's funny where the park where the iris were that were mm-hmm. blooming later, their milkweed hadn't even set 
said uh, it flower fast. budget. Yeah, it's like it's literally you'll go by one day and then you go by three days later. It seems like they're almost starting to bloom. So yeah. yeah. And what's what's the last one you got? on The last one was uh is, isn't a flower, but Calamagrossus canadensis, which is blue joint grass, is has a really attractive like feathery seed head, and that's yeah. uh that's looking really nice oh, right now. That, and yeah. It, um, I I actually cut a couple stems because it makes some really cool filler for like bouquets and if you want like a little wildflower bouquet that's a good thing to put in there because it provides a different texture yeah. and and that's and, a uh, cool plant because yeah. that one for a grass can take some shade you mm-hmm. know and can yeah. take some wetter conditions so it, it's it's a little more um versatile yeah. which is good to see uh i think that's it that's a yeah. pretty good and we're at about an hour right now yeah we're so doing pretty good. i told you we, we'd be a little bit shorter yeah. today not quite an yeah. hour but a little bit yeah so a little bit less than I, usual I, I have no complaints awesome because no. i don't think i could handle it no no i am complaint free uh but if you'd like we could do a pod deck let's yeah let's I, do one I, I kept them with me i actually have them for a change let's see what we got here Uh, can't do that one. Yeah, this uh, is again great podcasting fans yeah. sifting through the cards, picking out the one he wants to do. Yeah, answer your business. Frequently asked questions. We do that all the time. Yeah, we do that all the time. <laughs> so this one is why I quit blank. So you fill in the blank. Oh gosh. Huh. So that could be interesting. Like yeah. why I quit blank. And it could be yeah. using using pesticides, using herbicides, mm-hmm. planting cultivars. I've really got to think about this one. Yeah, why I quit blank? I got to give it a second too. Um, let me see. I the first one I was thinking of was I, I quit planting cultivars, but I never really planted cultivars. There's a handful, but mm-hmm. um, but for the most part, I steer clear primarily because I had access to straight species yeah. plant. Um, and I didn't need, I didn't, I actually don't have access to, to yeah. cultivars easily. So that was the main reason there. You know, I, I will say this, you know, bef- and this was before I started working here. So, mm-hmm. you know, I was a victim of that trap of, hey, my lawn needs to look a certain way. Not that I felt that it needed to. My neighbors definitely felt I was, I was, when I moved to New Jersey, the neighbors on both sides of me didn't have one weed. Mm-hmm. in their lawn and they hated the fact that i had dandelions they hated the fact that i had weeds and they were not happy about it so to be a good neighbor at the time i was i was trying to to you know i would fertilize my lawn i would do that this is going back over 20 years ago mm-hmm. and where we live in the country and and tom you know there's there's no city sewer and there's no city water so i have well and septic so the water when i moved in i didn't think about it because i'd never lived in a situation that way and the water would run off my my property mm-hmm. to the street run down the street and go into a, a sewer grate and i started thinking one day i was down there like we were friends with the neighbors where the sewer grate was i was like we don't have sewer so where's this grate going mm-hmm. well the grate went to a drainage ditch that kind of went alongside of their property and then just spilled onto their backyard, (laughs) like Mm -hmm. into a natural area. So all these chemicals and fertilizers and runoff from everything was just going to the street, picking up the oil and all that, and then just getting dumped. Now, granted, that's what rain gardens do, 
by capturing some of this. But I just realized all these things I was putting in my yard were washing out and then just being dispersed mm-hmm. in someone's backyard, basically. Yeah. Um, and it really made me think twice about it. And and doing the things that we talked about, like mowing higher. I haven't done anything in twenty years. I haven't put seed down. I haven't. I mow in the high setting. All that stuff. You know. That's that's why I quit. I realized I saw with my eyes where <laughs> where this stuff was going, mm-hmm. and it made me change how I how I handled it. And that was before I even worked here. Yeah. <laughs> I, Fran, you probably noticed I started to smile. Yeah, so I was like, like, all right, Tom's really got something good. Racking my brain, saying, "Oh, what am I gonna say? What am I gonna say?" And I'm like, because a lot of things, I, I wouldn't say I quit doing them. I just never really started doing yeah. them. Like, I never started f- putting a lot of fertilizer down. Yeah. I, even, I guess I kind of quit mowing my lawn super short. I mow it a lot higher yeah. now. But I, I've talked about that on the podcast before. Um, but I thought of one that's going to be very controversial. All right, I, I let's don't, hear it. I, I, let's there's going to be a lot of people who don't like this take. But uh, I quit liking um, house cats, or I shouldn't say house cats, but common cats. Wow. And uh, and yeah, so there's a lot of people who are like, how could you not like cats? And other than the dog people yeah. who already yeah. are like, ah, oh, cats, whatever. But um, I don't mind cats, but I would it never own goes a cat. To, to dogs too, and any really outside pets. Um, as you can probably infer, a lot of them aren't technically native species of North America, yeah. and uh, and they wreak a lot of environmental havoc, uh, specifically uh, cats do. Uh, but dogs do. Well, they'll chase like dogs are known to chase wildlife. Yeah. They're chasing deer, and a lot of times they're killing yeah. things, uh, even forming like packs sometimes to kill yeah. things. Uh, but cats will usually hunt on their own, and they'll just like kill birds and and rodents and all kinds of stuff just for the yeah. sake of killing them and you probably notice if you have an outdoor cat a lot of times they bring things back to your doorstep yeah they don't need it yeah <laughs> they just bring it back and they're the like number one killer of songbirds in the country is is cats wow so yeah they think about with your cats just i'm not telling you don't get rid of your cats think about with your cats and maybe you want to keep them inside a little bit more but the like the outdoor cats tend to do a lot of, cats on an, another thing a lot yeah. of times outdoor cats even though they'll be your cat they'll visit yeah. like a lot of the houses yeah. around you yeah. and they'll just they'll they travel they yeah. get they go places they'll come back um and on their travels they're they're killing specifically a lot of birds yeah. uh, and a lot of beneficial birds at that so um if you do have cats my word of wisdom would be try and keep them inside as often as you can if you Catios are a big thing now. Yeah, you build yeah. into like a little screened-in area for your cats to go play outside, <laughs> so they can still go outside, but they yeah. aren't. Uh, yeah. And this isn't speculation. This isn't just my feelings. This is like proven stuff. They've yeah. they've said cats kill so many things. Yeah. So yeah, that's uh one thing. I used to like cats when I was a kid, and we had outdoor cats growing up. And uh, yeah. but uh, and even now there's some feral cats that have shown up in my parents' backyard, and I and say hey like you shouldn't be encouraging yeah. these things i, I shouldn't yeah. say, i'm serious when i say you shouldn't be encouraging these cats to stay around and feeding them and yeah. all that you need to yeah. have, like they need to be elsewhere um if you if you want them adopt them and keep them inside yeah. but don't just like put food out yeah. outside so they keep coming back because it's not they're not killing to eat they're yeah. a lot of times they're just killing to kill so yeah i'm, I'm not touching that one i'm leaving yeah. that one <laughs> you know i'm yeah. like i said i'm not I'm not a cat person. I don't mm-hmm. dislike cats. I would never own a cat. Yeah. I just never, never would. That's just not. Uh, growing up, we had cats um, that yeah. were all outside cats. They yep. weren't really. Yep. They would come in, 
you know, but they spent most of their days mm-hmm. outside. Yeah. And I know, I know the killing. <laughs> oh know, yeah, I, it's, yeah. Uh, and that's that's just what you see. Yeah. So yeah, I'm I'm ready for. I know there's going to be a lot of people who who don't necessarily agree with me, but it's I, it's not just my opinion. It's yeah. like I said, it's the science has shown that they are very very destructive, and uh, I think my the, what I'm saying is I'm saying it in a reasonable <laughs> reasonable way. I'm ready for like the onslaught now, I'm, <laughs> but, but I I won't backpedal off of that. No, you're it's, not telling people what to yeah. do or what to think. You're just saying your personal feeling on yeah. it. Is, yeah. Is so a, yeah, I I quit cats. <laughs> <laughs> All right, there you go. I think that's it, Tom. We did yeah, we did pretty yeah, good. That, yeah, we're 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 at about an hour and, and six minutes. Yeah, so that wraps it up. Thank you for joining us today. You hope you enjoyed listening to all my anti my anti cat <laughs> <laughs> opinions, but um, but yeah, we really enjoy having you listen to the buzz and uh, and really for just listening to native plants, healthy plant as a whole. Yeah. Yeah, awesome. So, uh, as always, we're going to give R.J. Comer a, a big thank you for contributing the theme music to our Buzz episodes. Make sure you stream or buy R.J.'s music uh, on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you uh, consume your music. Follow us on Twitter at Pineland Nursery, Facebook at Pinelands Nursery NJ, Instagram at Pinelands Nursery, or Native Plants underscore Healthy Planet. And you can also uh, check us out at youtube thank you for all the new uh subscribers to youtube that that's almost doubled in oh, like yeah. the last like three yeah. months so uh and we have a lot of good video content on there uh bring your questions and comments uh to our question and comment line call us at 215-346-6189 i will i will repeat that 215-346-6189 ask a question or leave a comment uh, and we will play it on a future episode of The Buzz and discuss it or answer it. Um, and uh, keep it going with the Native Plants Healthy Planet Facebook group. It's It's been fantastic, and we're not even the main contributors anymore. Like No, uh, no. Yeah. There's a lot of other people who are bringing things in that, that we're yeah. talking about. And and, yeah. and the community's awesome. been great, So and keep that going. Yeah, yeah, We'd love to see that. So you can listen to the Native Plants Healthy Planet podcast directly at www.nativeplantshealthyplanet.com. You can also check us out on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or really wherever you consume your podcast. Make sure you subscribe, leave a review, and share this with a friend. It really, really helps. Um, we have T-shirts that are going to launch. By the time you're hearing this, they'll be up. They aren't yeah. up at the moment, at the time of recording, but they'll be up by this afternoon. And uh, we're really excited for you guys to see those. And uh, and we're going to order some for ourselves. So yeah, I'm excited. So you can watch us on YouTube and see our, our fancy shirts. I'm so, super excited. And I think I mentioned it the last time we talked about them, but uh, we're we're not doing this to make any money for ourselves. Yeah. Uh, that would be greedy in my mind. So yeah. we're taking that, and uh, that's not the reason for our platform is yeah. to make money off of it. It's to spread the message of why native plants are great. So we're taking all the money that we're making off these shirts, and we're going to donate them back to a lot of our guests because yeah. they're working for these nonprofits, and that money is going to help them way more than it's going to help Fran or I. Yeah. So uh, that was part of the goal, and we're happy to be able to give back. And yeah. I'm going to be really embarrassed if we only make like 50 bucks that we got to split yeah. between all these organizations. You know, I think so. uh, I, I think you did a fantastic job with the designs and uh, even even all the good the goodwill behind it and where the money's going people are going to see these shirts and 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 want to wear one so i i know i i I need to have one there's one i have to have oh yeah so 
one of the things we talked about in the last buzz, and I think it'll be a buzz thing, yeah. is we're gonna have one of one of us is gonna share a secret story. And I didn't All tell right. Fran, but I'm so I have one prepared right. that I'm gonna do. Okay, awesome. And uh, a lot of if you watch the YouTubes, you'll probably notice this, but I like to sit with my like my hand kind of on my chin, forming an L with my thumb, and then my uh-huh. pointer's kind of facing up. And when I look at myself on the Zoom, yeah. I can see my wedding ring a lot. Well, I got some poison ivy on my finger or something. I, I haven't been wearing it the last two uh-huh. days, and it, I notice it a lot. But uh, but right after, and this is native plant related. Yeah. Uh, right after my wife and I got married, she always said, "You're going to lose that ring. I know you. You're going to lose it." Yeah. And um, it was a month after I went to the Millersville Native Plant Conference. And I was staying at a hotel in Lancaster, just outside of the, the campus, and um, got ready the next morning to go back to the conference. Took my ring off so I could put some some uh, some gel in my hair or something, and just being me, forgot to put it back on. Yeah. I did it all the time at home. I forget to put it back on. I go back up to the bathroom and put it back on. But I was at a hotel, yeah. so I left, checked out, drive to the conference. I'm talking to Greg Kazerski from uh, Earn Seed, yeah. who's a friend of mine, and um, and just happened to touch my hand. I'm like, oh. I forgot the ring. I just checked in the car, checked the back. Yeah. Like, I know I left it there because I, yeah. I, that was my thing. If I was, wasn't was wearing a hat, I'd put some product in my hair, so I'd take yeah. it off. And uh, went back, and they said they had no clue where the ring was. They didn't find it anywhere in the room. I'm like, I know it was on the counter. I know exactly yeah. where I put yeah. it. So let me go up to the room, and I, they couldn't find the ring. It was completely gone until I offered a $100 reward. <laughs> and then, and it, like, all of a sudden, it turned up. Wow. And it was there. Oh, wow. It was one of the, the maids yeah. put it in their purse or something. Yeah. And then once I offered the reward and I said, like, well, that's what better than what I was going <laughs> to get for the ring. And um, and I gave him the 100 bucks, thinking, yeah. okay, I'm going to call up corporate and say, hey, this is what happened. And yeah. they would be like really embarrassed and yeah. refund me the $100. That didn't happen. They wow. were like, oh, no, they found the ring, so you're fine. <laughs> and I was like, no, that's not – I didn't actually lose the ring. They took the ring. Yeah, and then, and then held it. I had they held, held it hostage, hostage. <laughs> and this is was the negotiation. So yeah, I'm still hold a grudge, and I will never stay at a that, that well, at that brand of 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 hotel. Anyway. Wow. So. so now I feel the pressure on. I'm like, do I have a story? Like, do I have a secret that I could share on a future episode? Now I kind of feel like <laughs> I'm I sure, to... Fred. You have plenty of stories you can, <laughs> you can share. But with that, uh, thank you again, everyone. I'm Tom, and I am Fran. Thank you again, everyone, for spending time with us. Uh, we'll see you uh, next time. Uh, mm-hmm. With we do have a rooted discussion, and I know we do because we already recorded it. Yep. So. And it's on pollinators with three of our past guests so we're really excited for you guys to hear that it, one. it is a pollinator dream team so oh, yeah. we're excited to share that one t- uh with you we can't wait to get it out there but thank you again everyone until then keep it native Thank you for listening to the Native Plants Healthy Planted Podcast, presented by Pinelands Nursery. Remember to like, share, follow, and comment.